Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Olivia. Hi, I am Shaniqua. And this week, we've watched Angel One. And now we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek. I knew the vibes were off, okay? I knew the vibes were wrong. And this has been vindicated already before the recording. It was giving the energy of the the episode that never happened in season four of uh, TOS, the reverse slavery episode. We don't talk like a about smug the reverse man. slavery episode. It felt <laughs> like a smug man finally being able to say, hey, we're the victim now. You see, the thing about the reverse slavery episode is that like Michelle Nichols was really invested in like the script and the production of it, and she would whatever would have happened with it, she'd have been incredibly involved in how it came together. Whereas this was written by three men, one of whom thought it was a terrible idea <laughs> and was just regretted everything about it. As and he the should. One, and the second one was Gene, and no one liked it. No one liked it. It's not surprising given the product. <laughs> But the Batman versus Superman of Star Trek it's like no one wanted it to exist and now it does and it sucks <laughs> and I saw you tweeting about it Shanique, and I was just like there's a point there's always a point in all episodes we do in this podcast where everyone takes we have a sort of sigh of regret and I think I know just from your tweets I think I know when that's going to be okay and I think <laughs> oh, when we get to it we'll see okay <laughs> but What's an episode? <laughs> it was definitely an, I saw things that I'm like, okay, did they do this on purpose? Because this is very offensive. <laughs> um, i give him that much was... credit. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jean's pure femdom fantasy planet, part two. You know, everyone's called mistress. Like, that's so suspicious. I don't believe that they didn't enjoy this. And if they didn't enjoy this, it was in the way that they actually did enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, because honestly, it does feel like this was written by a sex addict. (laughs) Which, knowing what we know about Gene, um, y'all know what we know about Gene. Um, This is right up his little alley. (laughs) I mean, this was mainly written by Patrick Barry. Barry. Mm -hmm. I think this is his only credit on TNG. Oh, that's so embarrassing. If you're going to write an episode like this, you've got to have something else I'm, to mix in there. I'm just checking what his other credits are. Um, the, the dodgy War of the Worlds TV show, um, Hunter, the Mask TV show, and a television show called Kissy Fur, who's um, on an episode titled The Incredible Hunk slash Double Dare Bear. Oh, wow. So he's definitely Gene's protege, it kind of seems like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta we gotta get into whatever that last one oh, was. Oh, Kissy Fur is fun. Kissy Fur is a kid is about is a kid's show about a father and a son bear duo <laughs> trying to who transport animals and other products down the river on their boat tour business. Why is okay. how that name? <laughs> I don't know. It, it actually looks like a really wholesome TV show. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm in fear. Oh, sure. it's also, it seems to have done very well on Polish syndication. Okay. <laughs> I'm already exhausted. I don't know how I went up that rabbit hole, but. I'm absolutely exhausted by this episode and we have not started. <laughs> what happens? We open on them trying to find the survivors of something. I don't know. They're trying to find um, survivors from a freighter. 
yeah, the freighter for seven years. Yeah, there was an accident. It appears they stumble on the freighter and they go looking for it. And this planet, Angel One, shit name actually. <laughs> hey, um, it's camp. It's good. It, it's very TOS, which you know I like, but only for the vibe. <laughs> yeah, like I like the thirties, not the. 40s. But so apparently they're at this planet, which is equivalent to nineteen thirties Earth. And Picard is like, now, Starfleet would like us not to fuck up talking to these people, so what should we know? And um, then Data's like, oh, they're a matriarchal society run by a group of mistresses with, um, a, where all power is concentrated at the top. Um, all, the women, all the men are tiny. <laughs> yeah, they have, like, little twink bodyguards. It's, it's great. It's good. And it you know what? I, if you, I don't know if you all saw this, or does it matter, but the men had very feminine features and like their bone structure was just perfect. They, <laughs> and they had on makeup that just was like flawless. And I was like, okay, this is very strange. That man's chest, the, the, the Trent, that man's chest must be waxed about four times exactly. during the production of this. smooth. I hope they didn't do, cool. I hope it wasn't a full body wax because uh, <laughs> But that, that, that we do get the first cursed line, which is Worf just says out of nowhere, Klingons appreciate strong women. Okay. <laughs> and the yeah. other standing in front of him just sort of leans back slightly and goes, Why the fuck did you say that? <laughs> he just wants them to know he's he's on their team. He's down <laughs> with the vibes. He, only for role play. Obviously, Worf couldn't handle a strong woman all the time, but you know. How do you do, fellow fandoms? <laughs> <laughs> so no. then. And yeah, they get so, Troy to speak to them because obviously, you know, you are a token woman. You go out there and make it feel like, you know, we have equality over here. Because great. Troy, she was like, yeah, my this is similar to how my planet goes. So I thought, you know, I thought she was going to be taking more of her lead role in this episode than what she did. I was a little, I was weirded out by that. I was yeah. like, hmm. Well, they have to make room for the Riker's sexcapades. So. Of course. And yeah. so that's why I'm like, this This is such a sexist episode because it's like, okay, I can see where they were trying to go. And if they had stayed on that track where, okay, women lead, okay, then let's have the women lead the show. Oh no, we have to have the sex god Riker. We have to have him come in and mess stuff up. I was just like, come on. Just a thought. <laughs> just a yeah. thought I just had. What if they had had the Deanna lead and then what's her name Beata was like I need a gift from you give me your commander Riker as a gift <laughs> that would be too cursed I feel like that would have been better but also more cursed what if the what if the gift was Troy herself now now we're talking yeah but as we know, as oh. you know you're not allowed to have gay people in Star Trek before like 2016 you know oh, yeah. gay all, people uh, don't exist remember that's true. <laughs> only, in the, only in subtext and on Deep space. space Nine yeah <laughs> Yeah, so they're not pretty, they're not very keen on Federation coming. They agree to it. Yeah, they at first they were like, "No, nah, we're good," <laughs> and um, they were persistent. And um, Angel One was like, "Okay, y'all can come, but make it brief." <laughs> <laughs> we got shit to do. <laughs> we have men to enslave here. We are busy. <laughs> As we all know, strong women can never be polite. So it's the planet of the girl bosses. <laughs> so when they go, Picard's like, okay, just a reminder, don't piss these people off. 
Mm-hmm. Look me in the eye and say, don't piss these people off. <laughs> and then, then we beam down and we see this council and everybody's sitting, kneeling on little pads and wow, these men are tiny. <laughs> I do think that, did, did, they, did the production assistant have to run around like South LA for like a week finding every woman in a, in a, on a casting card with a height above 5'10"? He went to West Hollywood looking for twinks. Like, he went to West Hollywood like, I need every man under 5'3 and every woman over 5'10. Just put me in a room with them. And they all have to be white. Don't ask why. <laughs> exactly. They're all white. They can't have diversity and uh, submissive men. Like, that's too much for the audience. They couldn't handle all that. We used up all, of, we used up all the black actors we had on the production cast for Code of Honor. <laughs> we didn't have to, but we did. Oh, God. This is Please. hilarious. Those shirts, man, and they come down to like just left of a crotch. And wait a minute, did did Trevor? What's his name? Trevor? Trent. Did he have, Trent? Did he have his nipples? We need to go back. We need nipples. to know who had nipples. Trent he had, had nipples. nipples, and he was why did clearly, Trent have nipples? Then he was manscaped to the gods. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, I'm gonna f- just check the picture of Trent. Fun fact: the guy who played Trent also played um, Lal. Wait, no, Trent, no, Trent did have a nipple. He had nipples. A singular nipple. You only ever see one. <laughs> this is confusing. I just, it's, Jonathan Frakes must, might just not have a nipple. It's possible. So it's not like an editing scene. They didn't edit out all the men's so nipples. So it's not that it's obscene. Because he's just allowed something's, to something's going, we'll get to it. But something is wrong with Jonathan Frakes' chest. Oh my gosh. Free the nipple. It's time. <laughs> this council of mistresses. Who are all dressed like, even the way that they hold their bodies and the way that they're dressed <laughs> is completely different than how the men present themselves. It's it's just a bizarre episode, my God. They've got the power suit shoulders, like the yeah. shoulders. Like they're they're rocking a shoulder pads and they're like walking like very strong. I, I wish they didn't all have like a uniform. Like if they each had like a different look, that would have been. I mean, I guess it's like they're trying to do like the the, the futuristic Fendel version of the eighties power suit. Yeah, so like, I, yeah, I like eighties power suits. Were known to I wanted a fashion show. I wanted to see it all, but um, mm. the budget probably didn't allow for that. That's fine. No, so they're being made to Commander Riker, which this is season one beardless Riker, so we're okay with that. <laughs> he sucks still and they're still being a dick about whether or not they can try and find these people and they decide to basically shove our gang off to a room while they deal with it mm-hmm. in the meantime Picard gets a snowball thrown at him by Wesley Crusher and of course we're still in the shut up Wesley era which um, you know so the blessed is this like, does he admit to hating kids like in the first episode? Is that in the first is? episode of In Encounter at Farpoint, which I swear to God we will do, because I like it. No one else does, but I like it. I don't remember it enough. So. He literally is like to Riker, you're a great first officer. You can do one thing for me, though. Keep me away from children. <laughs> okay, that sounds a bit... It's, it's weird that it had to come up like on the first day. Keep me away from the kids. <laughs> Oh, and it's, okay. the little, it's just very much like, I don't know what to do around children. I will just embarrass myself. I don't think it's creepy. It's just that Picard knows his limits. And his limits are children. Children. Oh, my goodness. Some people are just bad at children. He's a grumpy, <laughs> he's a grumpy guy. 
We also get like weird tan line wharf in that scene, which uh, just the, the disparity between his Klingon makeup and his neck. It just looks oh, like yeah. Yeah, they, the first season was a rough season for makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's also that they're very much trying to figure out how to do the Klingon makeup completely differently to how it's been done before. And I think this is also the first time that they are doing Klingon makeup on a person of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. We should be grateful there was no blackface. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, we had fucking, what's his name? Doc Doc Brown from fucking Back to the Future in Klingon makeup in Star Trek 3. So, you know. Yeah, okay. I mean, to be honest, by that point, the Klingons are barely, like, Crude and the, the Crude is barely browned up. Like, now I think about it. I don't know. I'm not going to think about it. it, it maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, justify it in my mind, but they don't deserve that. Why? <laughs> they, at least they look a little more alien than just a guy in brown face, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're sort of a figure out wolf makeup, and um, it turns out the Romulans are up to shenanigans, which, um, oh, that's how nice. <laughs> Romulans up to no good. The classic. Um, we do get a nice bit of data messing around with perfume. I don't and understand then, why Data doesn't un- know the word aphrodisiac. And then doesn't they have, have to explain sex to him. He didn't, yeah, he didn't understand the, the perfume bottle. Like, he, it was completely beyond him. He, he doesn't have a dictionary in his memory? That's insane. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, it is distinctly possible that Dr. Soon was just a massive prude. <laughs> he, he censored the Maybe what, corrupt, maybe what corrupted law was sexual knowledge. Wow. It was like it was like it was like forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. For wow. made corrupt and they don't have to be cast out. So Dr. Soon's solution was just to make data as unsexy as possible. Is this the plot of your secret fanfic? No. <laughs> I don't write about sex. I have to have to. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like, oh well, don't worry, there were some ones. But um we want to kill them all because they're anarchists and against the natural order. Which um yeah, is this the point where the apartheid allegory just gets like obvious? It's just oh, it's just so embarrassing. Like, I, why can't you do things well? I'm well, so sure. I, I mean, the simple answer is that there is you simply should make episodes like this because yeah. they're thought ex- they are thought experiments reserved for science fiction writers writing in the year 1951. Like mm-hmm. Isaac Asimov is the last guy you can get away with this, or maybe Gene in 1966, and even mm-hmm. then he's pushing it. Absolutely. <laughs> so now, you know, in case just just in case, you know, tensions with a mysterious foe weren't timely enough, there's now a virus on the enterprise. It's making everybody feel like shit. <laughs> and it, I was it's I thought it was odd that it was very similar to coronavirus. I was like, everyone's coughing, they're they're having a fever, <laughs> they're tired. Like, oh my god! We do not love to see it. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> and on the planet, we're just getting shit like, oh, as you know, this computer is too sophisticated for a man. <laughs> and Dana's like, well, like, I'm not actually a man. Go And she allows him. Like, she, she's like, okay, yeah, you, you can check things out since you're a robot and you're not a man. And then, then we get the bit where Riker goes back to the, the, the guest quarters and Troy's just holding the robe and she's like, apparently you're going to wear this? And Riker's like, yes, of course I'm going to wear it. And Troy and Yara are just like, the fuck? 
<laughs> this, this is where like the male fantasy comes in because it's like oh they're so jealous that he gets to wear this ugly hideous thing for another woman why would they give a shit <laughs> were they jealous or did they find it funny at I first, think they it funny. At, at first it was like suggested oh is it because i'm going to see another woman i guess they I, I don't guess maybe this was Riker's fantasy, his internal wish that they were jealous for him. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it feels a lot more of a sort of Gina vision of like, ah, look at the silly Riker descending to the barbaric norms of this backward society. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we're cutting back to the ship. We get a nice bit where Picard, it's right, uh, Crusher tells Picard, go to bed. Jordy gets put in charge. You know what? I like the early bits of like TNG when it's like Geordie's gonna become a commander and like command ships, and then they were like, "No, just become an engineer and have no friends and be an incel." It's why I like early Geordie because he's he's still cool. Yeah, he has this cute little make it so moment. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> he didn't have as rough a deal as Harry Kim. You know, at least he got a job. Well, that's the ball. <laughs> the story here is don't smoke pot in front of Rick Berman. <laughs> <laughs> This is the story. If you want a character to get promoted, don't smoke pot in front of Rick Berman. Damn it, Berman. Looks like it's a you problem, Garrett, but it's definitely a you problem. So then Riker comes out and he's dressed in these clothes. He's got his he earring a, on. The earring it doesn't look very comfortable. And he's missing a nipple. <laughs> Wait, no, at first you see a circle where the nipple could be, but it's a neutral <laughs> circle. We've got to really analyze this. Okay, we see a neutral circle and then that disappears. Let's get into a real academic discussion. Is it because the combination of a hairy chest and a nipple was too much, too much for the viewers in the 80s? No, because Leonard Nimoy was seen without a shirt and he had a hairy chest and nipples. Okay, Nimoy was hotter than Freaks. <laughs> I'm team Nimoy. No, you, can't hair, you can't have hair and nipples. It has to be either or. <laughs> Yeah. And Shatner had nipples <laughs> and no hair because he, he asked that. him to wax his body and said yes. Did you notice that Jade wanted to make sure that all the everyone's bodies was hairless? But Leonard Nimoy just what said, What are you that, doing? Let it, let, I think it was either Jade or the production company. It might have been Desolate. But Leonard Nimoy just simply said no on the followers that there was no way they could get rid of him. Thank God. I mean, what is he doing getting everyone wi- waxed and hairless? What does he think this is? Ugh. He thinks it's Jean's vision, Olivia. It is his vision, but I, we must stop it at all costs. You know what the greatest <laughs> achievement of this podcast has been, I think? No, one says, Jean's, no one says Jean's vision unironically anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's been like a year since I heard somebody refer to Jean's vision unironically. I mean, that's been my mission in on twitter it's it's not it, i completely decimate I desecrate we, the I name kill gene's vision we did it We're the here. world is safe from gene's vision holy shit <laughs> well, no, no, i mean i say safe well you know we still have to finish talking about this episode so. he wins he will always win in the end <laughs> I, I just don't know was it edited out it was it feels like a lot of editing to do it was painstakingly edited out Maybe <laughs> I actually am going to app freaks on the podcast account and be like, what happened, bro? Where's your nipple? <laughs> you know, okay, someone, do you, but why would they edit out a nipple though? Why? They fear its power. 
Was it something about freight? Was he wearing like a nipple pasty? This is like... Did he not want to have his nipple out? This has become sensitive. Like, Franks is insecure about this one nipple and we're all bringing it up like 20 years later. Leave Franks alone. The episode... Okay. So the episode aired in 1988. So it's been over... It's been... Yeah, it's been 20 plus years later. 30 years. Jesus Christ. 34 years. 34 years. We have have got to, we got to get to the bottom of this. This is, this is Jean's vision that three black Trekkies find out what happened to Jonathan Frake's nipple. And publish a paper. (laughs) And publish. (laughs) (laughs) My doctoral thesis will be on the history of Riker's nipple. (laughs) We're doing it, folks. Sponsor us on Patreon. We're going to fund an investigation. Uh, and Libby will travel the globe in search of a nipple, and probably get a, and probably end up with a restraining order from Jonathan Frank. Sure. And <laughs> um, this episode only gets worse when we meet these men who have colonized the woman's planet. I mean, I think that's an unfair word. I really? just got triggered. Okay. Like, well, okay, I think- there's one society where women are in charge, and these guys just won't leave. Well, and think, they said they're not leaving. That was the thing. They said, oh, we're not leaving. We're, we're not going anywhere. We don't uh, want to go back with you. We're going to stay here. I don't I mean, care about any weird, like, it's a little, I mean, the, allegory. It was I disgusting. think the point is, is that it's not even like they were, they were welcomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that welcome was withdrawn when their ideas were considered politically undesirable. This is the point that he makes. I understand that's what they said. What I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, the men wanted to take charge of all the shit and they tried to install patriarchy and they couldn't do that so they got pissed off and went to the woods. I don't in the think, woods then. I, I mean, I don't think that's what happened in context, but I think that's what it fucking sounds like. But but you know what? The guy was like, yeah, we didn't have any rights. We, we weren't allowed to do anything. We, we were being controlled. You and... can wear your pretty dresses and your makeup. <laughs> Deal with it, Okay. That's I mean, what I men think... should be there for, for eye candy. If you're a high value man, then women should just be able to look at you and enjoy that. And that's all you need to do. You don't need to speak. You don't need to speak. I think it's time I left. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, folks. <laughs> I'm just going to leave. And then there's the part where it's like, men are the lucky ones um, like on this planet, which suggests that like in p- patriarchy, in the actual reality... Women, women are, are being like served under the patriarchy like it's a, about the devotion to women no you it's see, not this is, this is the thing is that this language here this whole bit about the politically undesirable being well at first makes much more sense when you realize this was written as an apartheid allegory than it being written as a sexual reversal allegory i refuse to acknowledge the apartheid I mean, allegory because you, you can't not because this is the whole language about you know we're just looking after them and we're doing all the hard work of running a society because they can't. It's too convoluted, John. I can't have I mean, it. it. It's not convoluted. <laughs> Having spent the last like three years doing deep and visible research into the ideological justifications of colonialism and slavery and etc., it is the exact language of apartheid. No, not this. The, you can't. They've buried it under all this nonsense. I can't. It's not even that buried. Do though. it. It's right there. <laughs> It's in the script. All I'm seeing is men in, in these in their full faces of makeup twirling around. I don't know what's happening at this point. 
they okay so in the and i think maybe john you're reading this too but it was like okay it was written one way and then they completely changed it to make it more palatable the original reading the meta does quite literally described as and shown as being slaves okay well which didn't do that they didn't do that because it was considered even too deranged by gene roddenberry would it have been wait i'm trying to try to decide if it would have been better once Hmm. Okay, no, no. I, I don't think I would want to see a weird, like, all-white planet of male slaves. I don't know how that would, um, how that would be yeah. um, presented. Mm-hmm. I don't I trust mean, them. The thing is, is, this is the whole point of the sentence is trying to make a point about how farcical and absurd anti-feminism sounds, but it also just it is also still at the end of the day appealing to the male fantasy. They failed to do that because of everything they failed to do that. They have, it's you too. Don't, oh. You don't. You don't oh. solve questions. You don't create. You don't write moral, epic moral stories about issues of inequality by doing the reverse switcheroo. Every like, every know. time they tried to solve racism, they were racist. <laughs> every time they time tried to, to promote feminism, they were, they were sexist. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just because moral. That's the problem with telling moral virtue stories is that they, you don't. They really shouldn't be done in forty-five minutes by people who don't know what they're doing about who have about three weeks to do it in. And then it's. I think it's ironic that we have a story that was trying to be an allegory for apartheid written by a white man, and then they turn it into a story about sexism, and it's still written by a man. Period. So, I mean, every it was was wrong on every single last point. Every Star Trek was, I mean, what ninety nine percent of Star Trek episodes were written by a white man, and trying to tap into all these different perspectives without thinking, hmm, should I talk to the actual minorities involved? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a bit crazy. This is why a lot of DS Nine work because by doing it with a complete and like balls to the wall up top bottom allegory you could do the deep research and pretend you weren't you know you could write something like duet and not have to go "Ooh, look we're doing a story about genocide Mm -hmm. even though you are you're doing a story about genocide and guilt and murdering your daughter murdering your well no he doesn't know oh has that not happened yet duet's the one with the guy who pretends to be the war criminal oh shit i spoiled it Ah, it came out 30 years ago you can (laughs) (laughs) before i was born who gives a fuck but the problem was when you go oh we are going to do an allegory you're overthinking and you end up with this well we have one consolation we get to see Riker in bed with another woman and i think we all we all enjoyed that (laughs) you know all i could really think about this is that there is a bit at the beginning where of that whole scene where it kind of feels like Riker is not actually very into the sexual bit of it. And I wish they had just stuck with that vein. I I don't... Maybe. Well, he, just, he does later say, like, men are not objects to be passed around. And I was like, oh, pack it in. But you were just in her bed. So. Yeah, this is, the, this is the point. Is that, that line would have lasted better if they had stuck with the fact that Riker is deeply uninterested in her. But they were never going to do that because he's essentially, this, he's essentially slotted he's into the slut. Jim Kirk position. So, and, and and I mean that's obviously I didn't see the aspect of it, but um just in like I don't want to slut shame Riker, but he starts to get very annoyed that this random woman he met 
like for, for five seconds turns out to be like a murderer like i if, you, if you're gonna be that concerned about the character of the person you're having a one night stand with then maybe like check do some research just, check, <laughs> just wait a little bit longer you know the man i mean how was he to know she was going to murder people <laughs> He's there, for, he's there for work, John. He's there for work. And he's there for a diplomatic mission. And he should be thinking, huh, maybe there's like a... A lot of these people are insane, okay? Okay? He should have I known. I think, once again, we are, give, we are asking Riker to think a lot harder than most people in the real world actually think. I won't stand for it. I know. I, I mean, I feel, I feel a place of professional devil advocate this episode, which I probably shouldn't do. Because we should abolish the position of professional devil's advocate. Absolutely. But also, if Riker did, there wouldn't be left of anyway. Um, so now we found out that the, uh, what is it, the survivor crew uh, won't leave. And because they won't leave, they're going to be killed. Which And, and, and her right-hand woman is, has been shacking up. With the drama, <laughs> the absolute drama of it. It was a soap. It became a soap opera. They should have done like cheesy music, like at that reveal. I would. I wish been... it had been the original series because then we would have had like ba 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 ba. Exactly, <laughs> it's what we deserved. <laughs> Can't believe this, Ariel. I. You know what? That. I'm Team Ariel. Ariel was like, you know what? You got me on this planet with these tiny ass men. <laughs> and I need me a hunk. <laughs> we stand out. Is Ariel the real girl boss of the episode? Is that the moral yes! of the story? Ariel what John is saying. This is about boss. Ariel being a girl boss and gaslighting everyone and being a queen. <laughs> Are we going to find this episode gaslight gatekeep girl boss planet? <laughs> it is, and they should be rewarded for it. <laughs> uh, they probably have the death penalty. They have the worst death penalty I've ever seen. That shit doesn't look okay. That shit doesn't look painless. Oh, the guillotine is painless. Yeah, you wouldn't know because you cut someone's fucking head off. It's instant inhumane. <laughs> Intimately humane, yes, just like cattle props. Like <laughs> And, and meanwhile, like the pandemic is raging on the Enterprise, which is just pandemic is raging Enterprise. The Romulans are about to invade. Which mm. who cares? It's not, it's not about you guys, Romulans. You know, it's about the women. <laughs> <laughs> the women. <laughs> um, at this point, I've lost track of the episode because my notes just become one word, <laughs> and one of them is touching Michael. Riker and uh, like I said this episode is just so it's warped and confusing because okay then Riker's like well I'm gonna bring these men aboard whether they want to be aboard or not you know I'm gonna save them <laughs> from this planet whether they want to be saved or not and it, I'm just like okay so what is what is the point here I like, guess it's that Riker would rather get in trouble for taking them than let them get executed once again, the Prime Directive is bullshit, and cool people don't care about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even here, the Prime Directive is like, oh, the Prime Directive doesn't really count towards civilians, which, like, then what's the point? Like, if the whole point of the Prime Directive is that we don't, like, mess up other people's cultures, why does it not apply to the civilian population who infinitely outnumber staff? That, and I just, I thought it was weird that, okay, so they're on a planet where if they had stayed, the men are inferior, don't really have much of a choice, 
But then Riker is once again taking away their choice and telling them that they have to come along whether they want to or not. I just, it just was. Well, I, I, guess it's, I mean, it's it's a difficult one because it's not like Riker's. It's not like Riker's taking them or they stay. It's Riker's taking them or they are executed. Like there's no, to be able there's to no pull back. out from the execution. He wants to be able to call back that one night stand. He wants to be able to <laughs> talk to her guilt free. Because if they die, he can't do that next time. Okay, and that's that's the crux of this. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure he's thinking about fucking anymore, but okay, fine. I mean, his little martyr speeches. I didn't think it would be compelling to them, um, but the episode had to end. I mean, as someone, as um, Will Wheaton pointed out, that speech would be better delivered by Deanna Troy or Tasha Yell. Yeah, I mean, but, there um, we go. Back to the fact that they could have had a nice Troy episode. Um, but no, I guess they couldn't work out a way for her to be assaulted. So well, it's kind of it's part of the fact that early TNG doesn't know what his characters are yet. So in this episode, Commander Riker is just Jim Kirk. Mm-hmm. Like you could have William Shatner could have delivered every single line in this episode. We'd have then unfortunately have to have seen William Shatner's nipple. Okay, I don't, don't, I don't deserve this imagery that you're putting into my mind. <laughs> a Riker, a Shatner Riker mashup, worse than two Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> Shaka. <laughs> Sounds like a cat toy. But yeah, so I go back. It's Does the trivia this is too much us? going on here. And yes. none of it's good. I, I just want like will the trivia provide me with any closure? Will um, I <laughs> No <laughs> <laughs> Will I have remorse for bullying Riker? <laughs> Are you ready though? Sure. So in Patrick Barry's original story, Beata was named Victoria and she imprisoned Riker after he directly addressed her and then touched her hand. Tasha Yar stunned Riker to prevent him being killed and then took over command of the away team. In this version, Captain Picard was the only person aboard the Enterprise who was affected by the virus. The male slaves started the revolution and the start of revolution. It's... I don't... Oh no, the next... Yeah, the next bit's worse. Okay. So an early story meeting was attended by Patrick Barry, who wrote the original story, Gene Roddenberry, and Herbert Wright. Herbert Wright was wary of the concept of a matriarchal society, as had been overdone. So one of the major issues we didn't want to do was an Amazon woman kind of thing, where the women are six feet tall with steel D-cups, you recalled. I said, the hit I want to take on this is a path side, so that the men are treated as though they are the blacks of South Africa. Make it political. Sexual overtones, yes, but political. Wait. Ready? Ready? <laughs> okay. Well, okay. that didn't last very long. Everything <laughs> Gene got involved with had to have sex in it. It's so <laughs> perverse that it's hard to believe. The places it was dragged into is absurd. We were talking about how women would react, and Gene was voicing all the right words again, saying, oh yes, we've got to make sure that women are represented fairly, because after all, women are probably a superior sex anyway. And it's really important we don't get letters from feminists because we want to be fair and we don't want to infer that women have to rule by force if they do rule because men don't have to rule by force either. Very sensible stuff. All of a sudden, something kicks in and he changes. However, we don't want to infer that it would be a a better society if women ruled. Oh, God. (laughs) Roddenberry continued that this is because women were untrustworthy, vicious creatures which he angrily blurted out in a torrent of hate to, hateful verbiage. Hey, Jean, haven't you cheated on every woman you ever dated? I'm not done. Fuck you. Yeah. 
Right then conclusion. Then Jean looks out the window, looks at the outline and says, okay, on page eight, and continues as if that didn't even happen. I went through so much. I went through so much in this quote. But one thing that this reminded me of is the John Lennon song where it's um, woman is the N-word of the world. And just like the like unhinged like idea that if you just re- like they just remove intersectionality from like the, the way that they interact with minorities. I can't even describe the stupidity of like that as a statement, but it's the same attitude and it's just... Devastating. Yeah, you know, as we, I mean, let's people have only been taking Indeed. intersectionality seriously for about the last decade. So, if that, like, the, if that, should, like, def- that was definitely generous. <laughs> but I mean, like, people have only been discussing the concept of like considering intersectionality the thing people, the general public should understand for about oh, ten years. I... And this is just deranged. It's like. I do not, we do not have to hand it to any Star Trek writer, but Herbert Wright saying that it's got to be political, not sexual, is probably the best way to save this episode. If you were intending to save this episode, and that's a little bit like didn't trying to save a cat toy that's been shat on. Um, it, it was still highly sexual, um, I guess Gene, you know. Yeah, but that actually, I just like that line, that everything Gene got involved with had to have sex in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's just like, I, there's something so despondent about the language of like, it's so perverse, it's hard to believe. Like, right, this, the amount of meetings you must have sat through that were just like this. I could, I can imagine him weary eyed looking out the window, like, please, please don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh. Jean, like writing on the this right someone a piece of like Jean's about to talk about sex again. <laughs> Where is <laughs> out of the door? Please help. Oh, that was absolutely soul crushing. Next. <laughs> so, then, so then they they find a cure for the virus mm-hmm. because the virus the virus turns out to be airborne, something that travels by scent, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the whole room, it's the whole scent thing. Oh, yeah. That... Imagine if COVID had those perks. Huh. No. I <laughs> I just, I can't take any any plot like this. Too depressing. Too depressing. Yeah. I, I, did, I did think it was kind of weird that they were like so happy to exile the kids at the end, but you know. The exile bit. I mean, there's ex-Siberia, I guess. What? That's what the Russians used to do. Uh, Instead of executing people, it's just you go, you're off to Siberia, fuck off. But like, they made it seem, okay, so they go to a place that's not easy to live or or something. It was the way that they described it. I'm like, that doesn't sound too great either. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point. I guess they weren't going to suddenly have like a moral fiber and be like, okay, we're going to build a nice little city for you. They still seemed happy. Though I was like, why are you happy to be going to some remote distant land? Because they're not getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I um, hate to, I mean, it's, it's not, I, I don't mean to sound like it's, I would rather go on the Enterprise than, than go to a city. I would have just went on the Enterprise to be fair. Yeah, it it seems like they had a weird attachment to the place where they could that wasn't I justified yet. That. That's why it was so strange to me. It's like you can go. They were living in a cave. What was good about it? And become and take everybody with you, but you're gonna stay in this planet where they don't want you, and wherever they're sending you is kind of like Siberia, where it's gonna be hard to live. Like, why? 
I guess it, it's, I, it's it's their planet there. It's a place they have made home. You know, it might not be safe or nice, but it's your place. If they had done this, like, <laughs> apartheid allegory, that I say better. I don't know if it was possible to be good. May, I don't Oh, It's just such a... I think, well, I think it's... Best. It, at least it's better than what TOS would have done, which would have just been that everybody's happy, clappy, and friends now, which are, this is better than that. Oh my gosh, this is just... Everyone's alive. Heartbroken, Every, I've been in a while. Everybody lived. Let's just be happy about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Can we be happy on this podcast once? You know who I wanted to have a happy ending, and I forgot his name again? Trent, wait, is it Trent? It's Trent. Trent. Trent deserves a happy life. <laughs> Unproblematic king. That might not be true. He was he, he was quite jealous of Riker. He kept interrupting their love session. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a bit, that was a bit creepy. Yes, there was a bit where he interrupted the love session, and it, it felt a little bit like he wanted to get involved. And that was fucking- yes, a hundred percent. He kind of lingered. Like, yes, you may you ask. Need help. <laughs> oh, oh God! Cursed. Since Riker was lacking a nipple, Trent was like, "I'm ready. I can be your." Nipple I've got an extra one on my wrist. <laughs> I've never been so inspired to give something trip nips. This is what other trivia oh. is there? Um, so this was this was the first in a lot of ways. It's the first episode to mention the Romulans. It's the first with that nice matte painting of a city. A lot of props turned up again, but no one liked it. No, no one liked this. Like um, most, no one has rated it above like a D grade out out of A to F. What a fail. Tragic, tragic scenes. It's, yeah, I think the words here describe, you know, tedious, barely interesting. One of the worst, most sexist episodes Star Trek ever produced under the veneer of feminism. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. An absolute low point of the show. <laughs> I, I don't know, it feels, oh, I guess it's, season one is always a model, but it also seems like that was early on to be so fucked up. You got to be careful. <laughs> You should have been preparing your first season. I mean, I think, weirdly, I reckon that um, Angel One is a bit of an inflection point with TNG, because after Angel One, you end up with um, one not the, the one with the binars, which is really good, and then the one with the deranged Benjamin Buttoning Admiral, which is crazy, and um, we need to do in this episode, is... but isn't like racist or sexist when is it, yeah it gets season one gets better after this you, know, you get like symbiosis which is don't do drugs kids the episode and the arsenal of freedom which is the military industrial complex is bad that's a good one and conspiracy where we watch an a we watch a man get blown up so to forgive them for what we just encountered we have to move on swiftly yeah. to the next Mission forward. That's standard. And in that light, I would like to start our quitting stage by saying I quit. This is too much. <laughs> I did not need to know that this episode was based on a part side South Africa partially. I didn't need that. I like that knowledge to be purged from my mind. I quit. Olivia. <laughs> I wholeheartedly quit. Uh, this was one of the worst experiences <laughs> in a while. Uh, and I, 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 you know what? I'm leaving Star Trek for Farscape. It's over for you. I'd rather be. Is that worse? I'd rather be with the puppets. 
Um, I did just watch a Farscape episode about a horny uh, alien um, trying to kill everyone, so never mind. I guess they're all the same. And Shanique, quitting? Um, yes, y'all. I wholeheartedly quit. I did not need the nightmare of Riker's lack of nipple um, haunting me in my dreams. So, yes, I quit wholeheartedly. I am done, Star Trek. Now we can rectify that all because we can offer Riker a gift of trip nymphs. We need to give him at least two. Well, I don't know, maybe the other one was there. We need to give him at least one to make him whole again. Why don't you explain the trip nips to the audience? Trip nips refer to the scale of curseness. You got one trip nip, it's not that bad. Maybe it was okay. Ten trip nips, they're all over the place. They're covering the arm. It's the Enterprise episode trip. It's a disaster. So that's all we're in, You're in the full Mpreg zone. The full Mpreg zone. Um, <laughs> so I hope that. Very... So how many nipples are you giving it, Olivia? Uh, a hu- it's 10. I was going to say 100. It's 10. It's the full 10. <laughs> I think it gets the full 10 too. Yes. 10 nips. That's a first. This is the first time we've had a full te- we've had a full house. Tens across it, the board. It was amazing. It's amazing. It inspired me like no episode ever has. Um, and for that, it deserves. I suspect this. that um, there may be an unzero chance that at the next DST, Olivia makes me turn up wearing that shirt Wait. in October. The trip shirt? No, the 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 Angel One shirt. Oh, uh, someone needs to co- someone needs to be brave and cosplay that. Okay, I'll get I you think... and you and Terry in matching angel one. Don't do that to Terry. Why not? You know... <laughs> I need revenge. Okay, <laughs> I need revenge. Oh God, that! If you are unaware, those who have followed this podcast and the long-standing eel saga, um, <laughs> recently we discovered that. So one of the long-standing things was that the eel dare was partially down to a um, good friend and um, professional melt of Trek Twitter, Terry. And Terry had a test that he'd never eaten to his outrage after Olivia had consumed jelly meals. Terry then went, oh, I've never eaten them. At which point began a year-long quest to make Terry eat jelly meals, which ended last month. And there was a lot of anticipation, you know, when Olivia bore the eels, the cameras came out, everyone was hyped up for it. And Terry just tucked into them like they were Doritos. And this <laughs> is where my heart broke, okay? I will never be the same again. I will never be that optimistic kid. <laughs> Terry had already eaten eels. Terry loves eels. And what Terry I had eats done eels there, all the time. What I had done there was buy him a meal for free. <laughs> he, hadn't, he hadn't even eaten dinner and, before. And this is the second time I've bought eels and suffered. The first time was me eating the eels. Third and John still lucky. needs to eat the eels. Well, well, John has not eaten the eels. I'm not buying eels a third time. Someone else needs to source the eels. I'm not buying. I am not buying my own you are sauce. buying the eels job. i am not sourcing my own art one way or another okay thank you for this eel segment um please enjoy while i contemplate my do you have anything to plug to the listener Shaniqua? um i just want to say shout out to all of the trekkies that are people of color that are black trekkies um you are very much needed in this fandom and um, 
I believe that we add color, we add a different perspective that Star Trek needs. And I'm so happy to be a part of that. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely agreed. Sometimes we're there to remind people of the reality too, which I think is, um, you're welcome. Get a grip people, it's not hard. I do it every day. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to harass us about, I don't know, nipples, I guess. Don't, but if you have any other inquiries, find us on Twitter at Quit Star Trek Pod. Come on the podcast, talk to us about terrible things, what we're here for. Um, email us at quit, iquitstartrek at gmail.com. Olivia has answered emails, correct? I have answered emails. I am competent. <laughs> Citation needed. I am a professional, full stop. Citation needed. <laughs> But otherwise, um, thank you so much for coming on, Janiqua. This has been ridiculously fun. Yeah. (laughs) But um, until next time, don't gas like gatekeep girl boss your way into running a planet. Okay. Okay. John's an anti-feminist. Let's end it there. Fine, Olivia, you do. You you tell us not to do it. Fine, then you do it then. I think we should all gas like gatekeep and girl boss our ways into controlling a planet and that planet should be earth boom mic drop